0: McKinney Flavel's Hot Commodity Podcast Series, empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody, and happy Friday. My name is Sean Bingham, Director of Risk Management here at McKinney Flavel. Today is April 7th, 2023, an Unemployment Report Friday, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast. Joining me today is Eric Thornton, commodity specialist. Hello, Eric. How are you? Doing well, Sean. What's going on? Uh well, it's a it's an unemployment and a Good Friday Friday, which is doesn't happen that often, but yes. uh, it, it makes it makes for an interesting day because the markets are open and then closed early, and so you don't really right. get a full reaction of the market. But uh, anyway, other than that, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm, Eric, I'm starting to notice me and you again on a podcast <laughs> yeah. that uh, there's a there seems to be a common theme, and when we get to podcast together, you want you want to take a guess what that might be?
1: Hmm. I'm going to guess report days are ahead. No, Or no. something to do with Mike not being around. Well, it has <laughs> to do with everybody not being around. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: everyone, everyone
1: else in the office is gone. So, uh, being Nicole a, and I said the same thing last Friday when we uh spoke on the acreage report, it was oh, uh, maybe oh, where's Kevin? Where's Sean? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, well, you were, were a, on PTO, well deserved, but uh, uh no it. Mike, no Craig. It was like, wow, okay,
0: no one, me and around. Nicole
1: are holding it down now. It's uh, you and me holding it yeah. down here. On yeah,
0: a I good feel Friday. I like, feel like we draw the short straws on some of these uh, off or somewhat off days. I'm, I'm actually not used to working good Fridays. Right. My past life we always had these days off. Anyway.
1: Hey, what's going on?
0: Yeah, there you know what? There's there's enough going on that we thought well, let's still have a podcast. So let, let's do it. But before we get started, I would be remiss if I didn't say don't forget to register for our upcoming spring seminar in Oak Brook, Illinois, April 26. Registration uh, is available online mckinney flavelcom We can uh, you can attend in person, which we would prefer, or if you can't make it in person, you can uh, attend virtually. So, love to see you or know that you are there. Uh, some great speakers. All the analysts get up and we uh, we give our kind of look at, at the commodities and the ingredients that we follow, and it's a jam packed, uh, great uh, one day afternoon. So. If you haven't done it, do it, and if you've done it, you know what I'm talking about. So we'd love to see you there. Anyway, it's going to be. Let's, this is going to be like the uh, the the one hit wonder kind of podcast today. Perfect. So we're going to cover. I think I think we're going to try to cover a lot of ground. And I will start with uh, today's unemployment report, which was a little. I'm not going to call. They're never boring, but it was not some of these outsiders we've had. So market was looking for increase in payrolls of about, I think it was, we were looking for about 240, 250,000, came in at 236,000. Now this was the first time I can remember in at least four or five, maybe six months that the the headline number actually missed expectations on the downside. So uh, this was finally... We're starting to get this number come down. Um, they did revise the the former three eleven for February up to three twenty six. So maybe we could say it was, you know, in total, in line. But I but I do think you know finally no no upside surprises. The unemployment rate they were looking for three point six dropped down to three point five. We've kind of been hovering in this, you know, we hit 3.4 in January. That's the lowest in decades. And then we jumped up to 3.6 and now back a little bit. So, you know, for the most part, hovering in this 3.4 to 3.6 range, which is uh, uh, extremely low if you, you know, kind of believe the numbers as they are. And I think there's some questions about uh, about the whole employment situation in, in these numbers, given all the gig economy and, and COVID and everything. But uh, anyway, I would say for the most part, the it was a little bit softer. I'm going to just call it a little bit softer than expectations. Uh, average hourly earnings. They were looking for 4.3 down from 4.6. It actually came down to 4.2. And this is key because I think one of the things that that most economists, I'm not an economist, but I follow it, (laughs) are tracking is, you know, a lot of people believe that the economy is in line for a recession at the end of this year, maybe early 2024. But the big exception for almost everybody has been, but... Employment is really good, and people have jobs. And so, so long as that was in the cards, and people had money in their pocket, I think I think people were questioning that recession. But I, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure this number takes everybody off that fence. But it is it is one of the softer numbers, although in total still higher than what we've seen, you know, historically in in total payrolls. And I would say. You know, that that gets me to my next thought, which is what does that mean for the Federal Reserve? So we've had a long, long series of interest rate hikes by the Fed. And the last one at the March meeting, 25 basis points. So we're sitting at a range of 475 to 5% in the funds rate. The market's pricing about 10 more basis points of hike for the May meeting. So that's about a 50% a little less than a 50% chance of another hike. Okay. But then it looks like the market is looking for a if you follow the curve, it looks like they're looking for a series of rate cuts, but that's not really what's gonna happen. I I think I think what the what the forward curve is telling us is yes, they believe the Fed is eventually gonna cut rates. They just don't really know when it's gonna be. So they're pricing a little bit at every meeting. And so it's kind of adding up right. to what looks like uh for sure rate cut. But I, I think it's I think you gotta be a little cautious. Looking at that kind of final point on the on the forward curve and saying, "Oh, well, it's you know, it's a it's a hundred basis points underneath the current market, so they must be looking for a hundred basis points of cuts." I I think the way the funds market works, I, I would say, yeah, they're looking for some, but they just don't know when it is, and it's probably going to be smaller than what is built into the curve. And I would also say that uh, that the Federal Reserve. Has stated repeatedly recently that they don't want to just immediately react to economic news and go from go from a hiking cycle to a to a cutting cycle and being that reactionary. So I think I think at a minimum, maybe we get one more hike at the May third meeting, uh, but very likely now with you know we'll see. Like we're going to talk, we'll hit a little bit on CPI here coming up because we're going to get mm-hmm. we're going to get some inflation news next week if that comes in a little softer then maybe the Fed, uh maybe the Fed finally pauses and uh and then it just sits there for a while and 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 see sees how things develop right so you know that that'll be important I mean you know in is inflation as measured by CPI is still high we've got a headline at six percent at the last reading core five five. Those last readings we got were a little hotter than what everyone had kind of expected. I think we would have been talking more interest rate hikes had we not had the uh, Silicon Valley bank collapse here that followed. So we'll see what the Fed's going to do. But uh, I, think, I think there's enough data now in line to let them pause if they want to, uh, maybe one more quarter. Uh, and then study for a while. So that's that's kind of where I see the economic and inflationary data right now. Got it. Lots of other stuff to talk about because coming up, I think you had mentioned WASDI report. Yep. NOAA. Noah, uh, why don't you why don't you hit on what you think is going to be uh, getting traders' attention and, and buyers' attention next week?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like you said, uh, pretty action packed week next week with uh, a couple. Other reports, obviously, WASD, Um, and I really won't go too much into detail, other than to say that there'll be some true ups on the balance sheets based on what we got from the ending stocks report released last week. So, you know, mm-hmm. you may see some massaging to feed demand and some other things that uh, ultimately, you know, will cause a little bit of, I think, pullback for some of the the grain markets, corn uh, and potentially wheat as well. So, you may see a little bit of revision to ending stocks if there's no other adjustments made in those categories but April typically a pretty quiet report uh, yeah. for grains. Uh, the May report is going to be the first outlook we'll have for new crop twenty three twenty four. so that one will definitely be more anticipated than what we're going to expect next week. Yeah most certainly. In addition to that on April 13th Uh, We will get NOAA's latest forecast update on the El Nino Southern Oscillation, or the ENSO, as they call it. And if folks have been following us for a little while here, we've been really monitoring this very closely because there's uh, an increasing level of confidence that not only are we going to likely be in an El Nino sometime later this year, but that timeline continues to shift earlier and earlier. So looks like we're going to be experiencing neutral conditions through a majority of the summer but the tail end of summer and into fall we could already be in an el nino and potentially a very strong el nino by late this year into uh, early 2024 so i'm already uh, making a prediction here because i've seen this buzzword a couple times already but uh, if we are in a very strong el nino be prepared for the uh, news outlets to to, to declare a uh, super el nino trying to get the buzzwords out so i'll make a prediction now by uh november or december we may hear that a couple times and you know again these forecasts are fairly accurate in terms of direction but they are not very good in determining intensity so
0: what's the difference between a
1: regular el nino and a super super yeah that's a good it wasn't uh defined uh, statistically, okay. at least from what I read, again, this is kind of Twitterverse and yeah. other people that are following the forecast. But I think the criteria generally is above two degrees above normal within again okay. those ocean temperatures on the equator between South America and the Asia Pacific. If you know they're two degrees above normal, that's I think the maybe the delineating factor of. A super quote unquote versus just a standard, if you want to call that El Nino. Yeah. But either way, I think we're, again, not going to see those impacts for this growing season. Uh, maybe the tail end of the year, but it seems most likely that uh, South America and their next crop uh, later this year should be seeing uh, El Nino related impacts, which are generally favorable, You know, more moisture, more rain, yeah. um, better for them. So that keep an eye on that. And again, just, I guarantee you're going to hear buzzwords if we do start to really ratchet (laughs) up later this year with everything else going on. But the other thing I'll touch on here, Sean, too, with now that we're in April, we're starting to get our weekly crop progress reports. We Uh, are. Come out Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. And again, pretty early still to be touching on, you know, corn planting progress. You know, we're just getting started really and Mostly Texas. That's generally the area that starts planting first. So we're only two percent planted on corn and nothing really yet on soybeans. But you know, wheat. We did get some fresh look at the crop ratings for the winter wheat class, and in total, being hard red, soft red, and white wheat, we are only twenty eight percent good to excellent, which actually was below expectations and and worse than mm. uh, the numbers we had in late November when we left. Uh, or we left off getting those reports. And we're sitting at a very large 36% poor to very poor, which is on pace and right at the same threshold as a year ago. But you could argue we're seeing worse conditions today and currently than we are a year ago. And there's some concerns, at least I have, that maybe those ratings fall further, especially when you look at the seven to 10 day forecast once again, we're not looking at any rainfall in the Southern Plains and temperatures well above average. So that'll be favorable at least to at least begin to melt some of that heavy snowpack too. Mm -hmm. And the Northern Plains, that's also been a concern for the market as of recent is the cold, snowy, and and lengthy winter we've had extended here in March and April has built up quite a snowpack, a lot of flooding concerns, a lot of potential problems with getting the crop planted in on time. I think the uh you know while we're going to warm up and definitely you know have some flood risk, at least we're not adding to it with substantial rain up there the next week. So that should maybe limit that flood risk but certainly you know prevent plant or you know getting close to those crop insurance dates in that region which I believe are May 24th and May 31st for the states of North Dakota, South Dakota, and Minnesota, mm-hmm. you know, if we are getting uh, any indications that we're going to be close to those dates, you know, we may see some acreage switch out of corn to soybeans, or we may just see a, you know, some prevent plant altogether. Right. Um, so right. yeah, kind of some quick hitters. I went around to the the forecast winter week conditions remaining poor, not looking to improve at least here in the near term. And Yeah, we'll we'll see. You know what next week looks like in terms of the the numbers. Going to be a lot of attention, I think, and probably a guarantee of market volatility to continue.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think I think we're going to be in for that. You know, I hate to I hate to jump jump ahead already. Another crop cycle, but boy, it just seems like so many things are lining up for uh, for the next crop cycle volatility. You talk about we could be in a a super El Nino. I think that's similar timing for when we, we could be falling into a recession. Right. Uh, you know, I think, you know, hopefully let's just, let's get through, uh, let's get through this summer with, uh, with hopefully no, no major flooding, get the crop in the ground and have kind of a normal semblance of, a of, of a, of a planting season before, before we move on to all that. Cause, uh, it, it could get a little crazy, but you're right. It's mm-hmm. the volatility is, uh, it's here to stay. And speaking of super, you know, more talk on the commodity super cycle. And I, I mean, I catch articles about that all the time too. And yeah. plenty of, plenty of reasons that you can't just uh, sit on the spot market and, uh, and wait anymore. You gotta be, you gotta be more proactive and more strategic uh, because these markets can move on a dime. Absolutely. well, it's a good Friday. I think we we covered some some decent ground here. Why don't we uh, Why don't we wrap this weekly hot commodity podcast up? I want to thank everyone for listening in. As Mike always says, wherever Mike is, I think he's on spring break. Maybe live with an attitude of gratitude. And until next time, take care, everybody. Bye bye. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit mckinney-favelle.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.